opportunity. We are in this series called More Than a Rut, and uh, for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about what kind of church is Christ Church Camden. We've been talking about kind of dissecting our 70-minute service and what happens within these walls on a Sunday morning, why we do what we do. And we've been talking about how each one of these elements, everything that we do within the context of a service, holds huge potential to become nothing more than a rut. We walk in here, we become robots, we stand when we're supposed to stand, sit when we're supposed to sit, sing when what we're supposed to sing, do what we're supposed to do, so on and so forth, and it becomes nothing more than a rut. And I hope that you agree with me that God deserves much, 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 much more than just to walk in here and offer him a routine, okay? And so we are in this series, and a couple of weeks ago, we kicked this off talking about why we sing and talked about worship and why we did what we just did just a little while ago. By the way, thank you to uh, Josh for leading us in worship today, and uh, all of our drummers were out of town today, so that meant that Carlos had to come over here and play drums, and, and Josh was up here leading us in worship and communion. We appreciate you doing that for us, brother. Uh, but a couple of weeks ago, we talked about why we sing. Last Sunday, we talked about why we take communion every single week here at Christ Church Camden. We've talked about how Christ Church Camden is an independent Christian church. And, and, and how if you come, especially from a mainline denomination, there might be a small hand, handful of things that we do or teach that might, be, might seem a little different from maybe what you've experienced in the past. There's going to be a number of things that's going to feel exactly the same. And today's topic is one of those that I hope Every church, doesn't matter the church, doesn't matter the denomination, doesn't matter where it's at, doesn't matter the size of the church, I hope this is absolutely a huge part of their service and part of their church, and that's the topic of prayer. Now, when I mention prayer, what is for you the most common time that you pray? Mealtime, right? For most of us, I'm glad that's morning for you, that you start your day off like that. But for most of us, if we're honest, we have to admit that the, 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 uh, the, the, the time that we pray the most often is at mealtime. And it's so easy to become a rut in what we pray during our meal. I don't know if you ever thought about this, but you go out to eat and, and, and they, they toss down a basket of rolls in front of you, or you get an appetizer, or you get chips and salsa, and, you, and, you, and you, has it ever been confusing? Like, are we supposed to pray before, any, before we eat a single bite, or are we supposed to pray uh, before the entree comes, you know, or you, like these three cheese sticks that I just devoured, are they cursed now because I didn't pray over the cheese sticks, that sort of thing, you know? Um, and so it can get confusing a, a little bit, and I don't know if you're familiar with the name John Christ or not, he is a Christian comedian who has taken off like crazy over the past year or two, and, uh, and he makes fun of Christians and fun of churches, and I just got to be honest, he hits it square on the head almost every single time, and uh, he has a video talking about what we're supposed to, what kind of food and meals we're supposed to pray for and what we don't have to pray for, that sort of thing, and uh, so check out the screen right now, let's watch this. Today we're talking about pre-meal prayer. Very confusing subject. A lot of people don't know when to pray, what to pray for, how to pray, who prays. Hey, do you want me to, should I pray? You wanna, should we pray? I don't know if, all very confusing. We're gonna cover it all today. Let's get started. Chips and salsa. Sometimes they bring it to the table before you're even seated. There's no need to pray for that. Lots of people wonder about appetizers. Do you pray for them? Do you not pray for them? No prayer is necessary for an appetizer if 
you have entrees coming out later. Salad, that is the most confusing thing on the prayer continuum. If it's a side salad or an appetizer salad, no need for prayer there. Now, if it's a main course salad or you're bringing it out with the rest of everyone else's meal, that then is gonna require some kind of prayer. But I put that kind of in a separate category. For the most part, when you're thinking about salads, just remember this, if it requires dressing, it doesn't require a blessing. Do I pray for coffee? No, are you a psychopath? No one wants to be next to the person at Starbucks that's praying over a latte, you weirdo. Soup, do you pray for soup? Do not pray for soup. It's only bowl-related soups. Anything smaller than that is always off the hook. I like to say if it comes in a cup, no need to lift up. Everyone knows if you order a hamburger, that's gonna require prayer. But if you order sliders, that does not require prayer. It's a little glitch in the system a lot of people are not aware of. Potato skins, no prayer. Baked potato, prayer. Ask any Bible-believing Christian, they're gonna have a different policy on fries. Some say never eat the fries. Some say eat as many as you want. Here's the policy on fries. Up to three fries is acceptable to eat prior to the prayer. That brings us to dessert. Always a very confusing situation. A lot of times people go out to a show, go to a movie, hey, should we grab some dessert afterward? Yeah, let me get the creme brulee, I love cheesecake. Ugh. You don't need to pray for that because you've already prayed for your meal earlier in the night. Do you hold hands before you pray? That depends on your situation. If it's a personal family gathering, some close-knit Bible study of some sort, sure, a hold hand wouldn't be uncomfortable. Now, if you're on a Tinder date, that might throw off the mood a little bit. Most of the confusion surrounding pre-meal prayer comes from when to actually pray. Let me just say, on behalf of waiters, all over the world. Please pray when your waiter is not there. There's nothing worse than a waiter coming out with two full arms of fajitas and you're over there mid-prayer at Jabez. Like, what are you doing? Last but certainly not least, who at the table volunteers to lead the prayer? Lots of people say the man should lead the prayer. Why is that? I'm not sure, it's 2018. Maybe we should get that rule adjusted at some point in the near future. A lot of people operate under the most spiritual person at the table. They're gonna be the one that should pray because that prayer is gonna be the most powerful and effective. So if you got obviously a pastor, a missionary, even a Christian blogger of some sort, shoot, even a volunteer youth pastor, that prayer is gonna be a little less effective, but it's still gonna qualify. <laughs> if you're just an average person sitting at the table with obviously more spiritual people around you, you're kind of off the hook because I feel like God would be like, hey, how come y'all didn't bless this meal? He'd be like, I don't know, ask the pastor, he works for you. <laughs> I've, I've seen that at least a dozen times. <laughs> and I've never caught the comment about the youth pastor's prayer being a little less ineffective. I kind of like that. <laughs> I do know some people who would argue with his comment about the pastor praying before the meal, because if you ask the pastor to pray before the meal, the typical pastor's prayer, once he's done praying, the food will be cold, okay? Because there's just something inside of us pastors, I don't know what it is, it's just like you have to pray a long prayer, or at least the longest prayer so that you seem, I don't know, holy or something like that. I can remember, true story, I can remember several years ago, 
I was in Pensacola with uh, my wife's family, and I think it was like Thanksgiving, because there's a whole bunch of us like in a, in a big circle and holding hands, and it was time to pray for the, the meal and stuff, and everybody looks at me to pray because I'm the pastor in the family, and so I pray, right? And as soon as I say amen, my wife, Amanda, she locks eyes with me, and she starts telling me, like, like she didn't even listen to the prayer, obviously. She was already thinking about what she was going to say once I said amen, and as soon as I said amen, she locked eyes with me and she said you shall never say a prayer again before a meal when I'm around because I guess I just I, I went too too long or something you talk about something that can become a rut though right how, how many of us come on let's be honest in God's house today how many of us say almost exactly the same prayer before a meal every single time yeah that's me like this whole side of the room is really holy because there's nobody who raised their hands over here um but but for me it's like it's like part a of my prayer before a meal is always exactly the same part b might change it up just a little bit depending on what's going on in my life you want to talk about a rut right or here's an, here's another example of what can become a rut in, in our prayer life. And, and I'm confident, I'm sure most everybody here has experienced this at one time or another. Even if you're not a Christian, I'll bet you've experienced this like in a, in a wedding ceremony or something like that, where the leader of the service leads the congregation, the people, into uh, the Lord's prayer. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody starts to say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, write the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever just stopped and just listened to people saying, reciting the Lord's Prayer? That's what it is. They're reciting. They're not really praying. Like, this is the prayer that Jesus prayed. And all of a sudden, have you ever noticed this? Like, everybody just sounds like they just instantly transformed into a bunch of zombies. You know what I'm talking about? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be. And you got to say it in slow-mo. Right? You can't speed this thing up. You can't sound excited about it whatsoever. Can you imagine? This would be awesome. Can you imagine if somebody sounded exciting, excited in that moment to say the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, something like that. Every head would turn. Every eye would be on, on you. And they'd be like, you freak. You don't get excited when you pray. What are you doing? Right? I would never do that because I'm an introvert. But some of you, there's a good idea right there. It's a, it's a rut. And rather than it being a prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, it's just a routine. There's a, a prayer in Scripture that is, the, the actual prayer isn't recorded, but it's a time that Jesus prays. And I wish the prayer would have been recorded for us. And if, if you're like me and maybe you've been in church for, for a long while, we, we've heard these stories. Sometimes, so many times we've heard these stories that we kind of grow numb to them. And, and they're no longer fresh and they no longer are, excite us um, sort of things. And so I, I just want you to imagine you're sitting on a hillside. Even if you got to close your eyes and just imagine you're sitting on a hillside. You're, your head is not swarmed with gnats okay, like Camden County. It's not a swamp. It's, it's beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, right? Um, and, 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 and the humidity is not, doesn't feel like you're breathing through a, a wet towel over your head, that sort of thing. It's just gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. And you're listening to this guy teach you, and you find out that this guy teaching us, who's been teaching us for hours and hours and hours, we're not talking about a 30-minute sermon here. We're talking about hours. This guy ends up being Jesus, like the Son of God, right? And he's teaching and teaching and teaching and teaching, and, 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 and it gets to be dinner time. 
at night. And a lot of the people are hungry. And there's like, what we're told is there's 5,000 men. Doesn't count the women, doesn't count the, uh, the, the number of children there. And so there could be like 15,000 people all sitting on the hillside listening to Jesus teach. And it gets to be dinner time. And, and some people are, are hungry, and so the disciples come to Jesus, and, and they politely, respectfully suggest to Jesus, maybe we should take a break, because people are hungry. Let's let them go get some chow, get some dinner, get something to eat, get a snack, get an appetizer. You don't have to pray for that one, right? You know, and, and, and come back, and we can finish this later tonight or maybe tomorrow. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let's go ahead and feed them here. <laughs> And, and the disciples look down, and they see two fish and five loaves of bread, and they look up, and they see thousands of people. And they're like, um, Jesus, I don't know if you got a caterer coming or something or what, but, but this is all we got. And in that moment, Jesus taught them an invaluable lesson that's a freebie today and doesn't really have anything to, uh, about prayer. He, he, he taught them, why would you try to seek a solution for your issue somewhere else at a different time, sometime else, when you very well might have the answer to your, answer to your problem, the solution to your problem right in front of you right here and now. And then he prays. Can you imagine this prayer? This is a prayer I, I wish the Bible would have recorded for us. Because I can only imagine the intensity that Jesus might have prayed with, the faith that Jesus might have prayed with, because he says amen, and here's what the Bible tells us. He says amen. The disciples grab the food. They start passing out the food. They have so much food that there's leftovers. And in that moment, Jesus taught them another invaluable lesson. He taught them, if you don't believe it, pray it. If you don't believe it, pray it. If you don't believe it, late service is kind of dead. If you don't believe it, you pray it. All right, I'm going to say this at least 30 more times in the next 25 minutes because I want, if you don't get anything else, I want you to walk out of here today knowing if you don't believe it, pray it. Yes, when you pray, you get to come into the presence of God Almighty, the creator of the universe. Yes, when you pray, God wants to hear your prayer, but there's something that happens beyond just taking our requests to God. There's something that begins to happen inside of us. I'm guessing it's the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're not familiar with the Holy Spirit, the Bible tells us that we are promised when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, God's Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us. And when we begin to pray, the power of the Holy Spirit can begin to encourage us. And the Holy Spirit can begin to comfort us. And the Holy Spirit can begin to ignite a little glimmer of hope when we felt hopeless. Prayer is so much more than just taking our requests to God. It can do so much more for you. There's this prayer that is, is recorded in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. If you've got your Bible, you can turn there. Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. This is the sermon, a part of the Sermon on the Mount, what you and I know as the Lord's Prayer. And I do not have time to completely dissect the Lord's Prayer for us today and go into depth. That, I mean, we could write a whole message series. We could write three message series back to back to back just on the Lord's Prayer prayer. But on the surface, I want to pull out maybe a few things that you've never really thought about. None of them are, are deep, okay? None of them are like profound, 
But it might be things that we just don't think about in the moment, and we allow these truths to just pass us by. Look at this. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus starts the prayer out with our Father in heaven. And if you learn the traditional version, the King James Version, this is, this is like English that we can understand. This is New Living Translation. This is in New King James Version, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be our name. What it really means is our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. And in this one sentence alone, ten quick, little, simple words, you acknowledge the presence of a higher being. You acknowledge that God is still there. And it may not feel like God is still in control, but you are at least acknowledging God is still in my presence, even though it may not feel like he's still in control. I get this logically in my head. I know God exists. I know he's in my presence. But have you ever gotten to that point where you just feel like God are you really still in control? I don't feel like God is still in control. And there's an inherent problem in that statement. And the problem found in the statement, I don't feel like God is still in control, is found in how we define control. Because most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, when we say, I don't feel like God is still in control, what we're really communicating is God just hasn't met my needs the way I would have preferred him to meet my needs. He hasn't given me what I want. God hasn't changed my circumstances the way I had hoped God would change my circumstances. But the reality is still this. God is still God. God is still in control. The universe is still functioning the way God designed the universe to function. The, the sun still rose this morning. The sun will still set this evening. God is still in control. And if you don't believe it, pray it. If you don't believe it, you pray it. I don't know if you've ever heard uh, Stephen Furtick talk about juggernaut prayers. If you haven't, Google it. Uh, get his, his, his very first book is called Sun Stand Still. Absolutely phenomenal book, okay? But he talks about juggernaut prayers. A juggernaut is defined as a massive, inexorable force, campaign, movement, or object that crushes whatever is in its path. That's the kind of prayers I want to pray. I want to pray juggernaut prayers. But I'll be honest with you, most of the time my prayers start out, they're pretty wimpy. They're pretty small. They lack a lot of faith. I'll be honest, more often than not when I start to pray, I don't even know what to say. You ever feel like that? I don't know what to say. What? I'm in the presence of God. How? There's nothing I can say right now. And you know what's super cool? You know what's awesome? Is we are promised in Scripture, if you are a follower of Christ, you are a Christian, that, that in that moment when you just don't know what to say, here's what I do. Man, I get down on my knees, and I'm just like, God, I don't even know what to say. And I'm quiet. I'm in silence, and here's what I know. Here's the promise that Scripture has told me, is that in that moment, the Holy Spirit living inside of me will begin to pray for me with utters and moanings that only God can understand. I can't conceive them, but I know the Holy Spirit begin, is praying for me. That's a promise for you. For me, I don't know if you're like this. For me, most of the time, my prayers start off really kind of small and, and wimpy. 
But here's, here's what happens. Have you ever felt like this? Like I pray and I pray a little bit more and I pray a little bit more and the momentum kind of begins to kick in just a little bit, you know? And I begin praying stronger prayers and stronger prayers and more bolder prayers and more bolder prayers. It's kind of like an airplane on the runway fixing to take off and the, and the pilot lets off for the brake and it, it begins to, and it goes faster and faster and faster until all of a sudden it takes off into the air. And for me, it might start off as a wimpy prayer, but my goal is I'm going to get to a good old juggernaut prayer. I'm going to pray something that's so huge that, that, that if this really does come to fruition, the only explanation is that God made that become reality. That's a juggernaut prayer. I want to pray juggernaut prayers. I was challenged this past week, y'all, just, just, just preparing for today because my prayers have been really wimpy. And I need to start praying juggernaut prayers and then watch what God can do. And you pray, and as you pray, you begin to believe it. Listen, don't miss the dynamic here. Don't, don't miss this. Here's what can happen so often. We get stuck over here, and we think, my prayer is pointless. My prayer is so wimpy. It is so small. It lacks so much faith. We get stuck over here, and the evil one convinces you, well, why even pray at all? And we do nothing. Man, if nothing else, prayer is your opportunity to be in the presence of God. Look at this. Psalm 145, it says, The Lord is close to all who call on him. That is a promise for you and me today in 2018. Yes, to all who call on him in truth. The Lord is close. God is not some far-off, distant God God is close enough within the proximity of you that he can hear your prayer. And when you just say, my Lord, my God, dear heavenly Father, my Lord, hallowed be thy name. However you address God, what you are saying is I acknowledge that there is a God and I acknowledge that this God is in my presence right here and right now. Jesus goes on. And he says this in, praise this in verse 10. He says, may your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he's very specific in this, isn't he? He's very specific to say, your kingdom, not my kingdom. May your will be done, not my will. And if you make this your prayer, what you are acknowledging is your place in comparison to his. You acknowledge your place in comparison to his. Now, I get this. I understand God's place is way, 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 way up here, and my place is way, 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 way down here. I get this logically in my head. Don't always act like that, though, do we? I mean, something inside of us, we just want to elevate ourselves higher and higher. I don't know why it's a sense of pride inside of us, or we want to be seen as something maybe that we are, are not, or as a pastor, i got to pray the longest, most holiest prayer, you know, or whatever, whatever that, that is. And, and sometimes we just have to stop and remember our place in comparison to his. I love what Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 3. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator, of everything in heaven and on earth. When's the last time you acknowledged God the Father like this? 
You acknowledged that God's rightful place is high on his throne while my rightful place is low on my knees. God's rightful place is high on his throne. He's got the throne. I don't have a throne. You don't have a throne. Closest thing I got to a throne is my bathroom at home. That's it, right? One of the things that I love, I love, I love, I love about the leadership, the elders, the pastors of Christ Church Camden, okay, for the past little over nine and a half years that I've been here, we have transitioned from a leadership team to a, an elder team, team of elders who oversee the church, um, and the pastors on staff. One of the things that I love, I wish that you could just be a fly on the wall during, when, when these guys pray, when these men and women pray, because oftentimes there is this acknowledgement of his place in comparison to ours. We acknowledge, you know what, the, 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 ultimately the leader of this church is not any single man or woman, it is Jesus Christ himself. He's the lead pastor. He's the senior pastor of this church and always will be. And then the prayer often goes on and says, God, keep us out of your way. Just keep us out of your way. In other words, never let me forget my place way down here in comparison to yours way up here. And the Bible says that we're not going to understand his ways. I'm just not going to, his ways are so much higher and so much farther beyond what I could ever comprehend. We just got to trust him and he knows what he's doing. And, and if you don't, if you don't believe it, you know what you do? You pray it. You pray it. Yes, prayer is for us to take our requests to God. Yes, prayer is for this time for us to be in the presence of God, but it's so much more. At least it can be. As you acknowledge God is still God, God has still got this, God is still in control, and God is right here in my presence. As you acknowledge his place in comparison to my place way down here, and then check out what Jesus prays next. In verse 11, 12, and 13, he says, Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. In other words, prayer acknowledges there's still hope. There's still hope. Give us today what we need. There's still hope for today. Forgive us our sins. There's still hope for tomorrow and your eternity. And then I love this part. He says, he says, he prays, rescue us from the evil one. In other words, there's some things out there going on you're never going to see. You're never going to know that it's going on. It is the unknown, but God will protect you from the unknown and what could happen in your life. I acknowledge there is still hope. In that prayer, even though I don't, I might be at that point of complete, utter hopelessness, as I begin to pray again, the Holy Spirit begins to do something inside of us and ignites, reignites this glimmer of hope. Yes, there is still hope for my broken marriage. Yes, there is still hope for your lost children. Yes, there is still hope because God is God of the universe. He is owner of everything in the heavens and the earth, the Bible says. And so there is hope for my financial situation. Yes, 
there is hope because God is the great physician and he knows of every sickness, disease, and illness on the face of the planet. There is still hope. And if I don't believe it, I pray it. I pray it. I pray it. And if I still don't believe it, I pray it again. And I keep praying and I keep praying because there's still hope. If you didn't believe there wasn't, there, there wasn't hope, you wouldn't be praying at all, y'all. Would you? It's a waste of time. I love this, this passage, too. The Lord instructs his people. I don't have time to really give you the whole context of what is going on, but he says, many of you are familiar with this passage. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. In other words, I'm going to acknowledge God's place in comparison to mine. Humble themselves and pray and seek my face. I'm going to acknowledge God is still in control and God's presence is here with me. And turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. In other words, there's hope. And you know what I love about this? Yeah, I don't know if you ever thought about this. They haven't prayed yet. They haven't prayed. They haven't said the prayers yet. Because he says, if my people will pray. In other words, God already knows what they need before they ever even go to them with any kind of a list of prayer requests. God already knows exactly what they need. In other words, prayer is not for God's information. Prayer is for your inspiration. God already knows your needs. God already knows your wants. God already knows your desires. God already knows your dreams. God already knows. He's already got the information. He's waiting for you to get down on your knees, recognize your place in comparison to his, and let him inspire you just a little bit if you don't believe it pray it and as you begin to pray it something inside of you begins to take off if you don't believe it pray it now here's your challenge I want to challenge you with something very specific this week Inside of your program is a uh, little something that we printed up this week here at the church. It's like a, like a bookmark sort of, sort of little thing. And there is a specific thing to pray for every single day this week. I want to challenge you not just to do this this week, but continue this cycle of prayers for the weeks and months possibly to come. As God has moved in my heart to plant a new church I know God has moved in another man's heart to lead them to Camden County. God never moves one single card at a time, y'all. I've seen it over and over and over and over again. Quite honestly, God may have already moved in somebody's heart to lead them to Camden County, and God had to get me out of the way. There is another season for this church and for the people of this church there is another pastor that God wants to bring here who's going to write the second stage, the second story, the second chapter of this church's story while I write the first one in a new church. And the most critical, the most critical part of any search process for a new pastor is what I am begging you to do today, and that is pray. God knows who he wants here. We just got to find that person. And we have several candidates already through the search process. We have several candidates that we are talking with 
couple that we've been very impressed with. I'm very humbled and honored that the elders have asked me to stay with them and help them through this process. I've loved that because I've poured my heart and soul into this church for over nine and a half years, and I want what is best for this church. And we believe, listen, I believe, I believe this. I believe that the best is still yet to come. That even with as amazing uh, things that, that God has done to the people of this church over the past 10, 11 years or so, God can do it again, and he can do much greater things. When God is in play, when God is a part of the process, the best is yet to come, friends. For here in Camden County and Pensacola, where I'm going to plant next year, the best is still yet to come for the kingdom of God. And it's up to the people of Christ Church Camden to fall on our knees or flat on our faces. I'm getting old. It's a lot easier for me just to lay down flat on my face than it is to be on my knees. And so just fall on your face before God. Even if you don't say a single word, let the Holy Spirit pray. Just take the time and seek him and pray this week. And if you don't believe it, just pray. Just start and watch the plane take off. Watch how God, through the power of his Holy Spirit, can inspire you in your life. Pray it. Let's do that right now.